Do you know what time it is? It's time for the Workforce Show, where you will learn the latest news about employment trends, current opportunities, and innovative strategies for managing a career on WERA 96.7 FM. Hello and welcome to another episode of Cracking the AI Code podcast, where we deconstruct world-class AI experts and learn how to get into data science and machine learning to address the future needs of our workforce. Not a day passes without hearing about another artificial intelligence application. Google, Amazon, Microsoft, Alibaba are introducing new AI technologies on a daily basis. This podcast will focus on separating the hype of AI from reality to better prepare ourselves for the jobs of tomorrow. Today, we have with us David Airy, who is an amazing AI expert and is with Center of Innovative Technology here in Virginia. Uh, David, welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to be here. Yeah, we would like to start off with what I call the origin story about how you got into the world of technology. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and particularly as it relates to artificial intelligence, mm-hmm. uh, I started back in the uh, actually mid-1970s and early 1980s. Uh, I was doing my uh, uh, university work at, at MIT mm-hmm. uh, and was involved uh, some in the artificial intelligence laboratory there. Wow, uh, those were the days before the... Computing power. Right. And, mm-hmm. and uh, some of the founders of the field, uh, Marvin Minsky, Seymour Papert, were, were still uh, teaching there and so forth. So it, it was an exciting time. Uh, and the questions were interesting. You know, could, could we ever teach computers to play chess? Could computers ever learn to speak English? Mm-hmm. Uh, those types of questions, could they ever pass the Turing test? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think today we have a pretty definitive answer to all of those questions, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's been an exciting evolution that, and the joke at the time I think was artificial intelligence is what we'll be able to do with computers twenty years from now. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we've done those things, and right? So the, the timeline is much shorter. It's like Back to the Future is here uh, yes, right uh, now. Bit, yes. Yeah. So tell me a little bit before your MIT days, where you always in the world of science and technology. Uh, yes, actually. So I, I learned to uh, uh, program. Uh, before it was a thing, even mm-hmm. uh, uh, I would in, guess in it's the late early 60s. on. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of some of uh, some of those I recall uh, uh, pushing metal pins into a into a matrix board and plugging it into the side of the computer, and that's how you programmed mm-hmm. uh, the computer. So that was uh, that fascination with puzzles and with mathematics and and uh, algorithms go as far back as I can remember. That's amazing. You would have seen the whole wave and generations of computers and supercomputers right, 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 right now. The, the transition to digital uh-huh. uh, uh, mm-hmm. technologies, it started happening in the 90s. And the beginning of the Internet, it's been a pretty amazing journey. So. Right, right. Amazing. I don't speak often to folks who have seen it all right from the days of the, you know, ENIAC and other early computers. <laughs> um, so there is a lot of hype, obviously, and with hype comes the fear that AI is going to take away our jobs and, you know, all of us will be jobless. So tell us a little bit about your thoughts. What do you think? Is there any truth behind this fear? Well, I think it's a it's a complicated equation. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
you know, there's always been fear about technology change. I mm-hmm. mean, when, you know, you can go back to the agricultural revolution or the industrial revolution. Right. Uh, and, and so I think the, uh, you know, to get past the fear, you have to do exactly what you suggest, kind of sort sort out what the reality is versus what the hype and the, mm-hmm. uh, the overblown aspects of that are. Uh, clearly, there are a number of job categories that are going to be disrupted. Uh, so if you look, for example, at autonomous vehicles, mm-hmm. uh, y- you know, I would not recommend my kids to pursue truck driving as a career, for example, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, because it's uh, already in Europe, you can see where fleets of, of trucks are maybe a single driver for an entire fleet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's not happening tomorrow, but it's mm-hmm. a pretty easy trend. But uh, I think as has always been the case, there are other opportunities that open up, Um and you can look at what's happened in manufacturing, the introduction of robotics into manufacturing, mm-hmm. for example, uh, as an analogy. Uh, in, in that case, a uh, uh, modern manufacturing plant has many fewer people than, mm-hmm. than uh, uh, older generations of plants because, you know, robots now take care of the, the welding and, and, you know, various aspects of that. Uh, but there are jobs mm-hmm. associated with modern manufacturing, and that's, that's uh Controlling the automation, uh, doing the quality control, doing the product development tend to be the higher skilled, uh, more technically uh, uh, related jobs. And so I think that evolution, uh, we've, we've seen that over and over again with every disruption. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, artificial intelligence perhaps is a little bit different, but, mm-hmm. but, you know, over the next 10 years, I would expect a similar evolution. Similar, but not, not more disruptive than the previous uh revolutions? Well, the potential for disruption, I think, comes from the fact that we're now going to turn machines loose autonomously in the world that we live in, Mm -hmm. right? So uh, uh, previous evolutions, people have always, you know, kind of been in control of the machines or they've been Mm -hmm. in well-structured, controlled Mm -hmm. environments. Um, You know, if you think about let's say, a, a fleet of autonomous taxis Right. Uh, in we the were world. just talking about Elon yeah, Musk announcing right? so, that. So suddenly they're, mm-hmm. you know, you're, we're facing a situation where they're acting and operating independently without necessarily very much human intervention. Mm-hmm. And so I think there are questions about, you know, do we trust the function of those machines? Do we, uh, uh, are we willing to accept that as part of our society? And, and so those kinds of questions, I think, uh, have the potential for further disruption. Right. I think it raises interesting questions that the technology is there, but are we and regulators ready to adopt it? (laughs) Because there's a whole other equation of who is liable um, and, uh, you know, who has the onus in case of an accident and so on. Or there are other, you know, there are other aspects of that as well. So Mm -hmm. I think uh, uh, there are groups out there, for example, AI Now is Mm -hmm. is one that's uh, Mm -hmm. uh, looking at the validity of of the training sets mm-hmm. that that are used in AI, mm-hmm. and and so I think we need to be, as you as you mentioned, the regulatory environment. What do we expect, and how are, how are we going to uh, operate with respect to to the machines that we're putting out there? From a personal point of view, I you know privacy is is top of my list. Uh, transparency mm-hmm. is very important. Um, you know, do I know that I'm interacting with a with a machine, and kind of what are the boundary conditions on that? Uh, external validation that mm-hmm. the machines are actually operating in a way that that you know we find socially acceptable, uh, and then 
you know, I would certainly like to see a human in the loop at some point. So if, if you know, you feel like the black box has come to a conclusion that you don't agree with, is there some way to appeal that? Right. Is there some way to take other circumstances into consideration? And how do we, what I would like to think as augment the machine intelligence with human intelligence? Yeah, machines do some mm -hmm. things extremely well, better than people can. Mm -hmm. People do some things extremely well and can right. you find the synergy between those two sets of capabilities. Right, and add that uh, empathy and human touch to it. Absolutely. Yeah. So you work a lot both with federal agencies as well as commercial uh, startups in the world of uh, emerging technologies. Mm -hmm. So what are some interesting trends that you're observing in real life use cases of artificial intelligence? Well, I think uh, the the first thing is that a lot of people don't realize the extent to which it's already in the world that mm -hmm. we live in, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, so I, uh, you know, certainly making travel reservations, uh, uh, you, you know, a lot of a lot of fairly straightforward use cases like that. Uh, there are also very specialized use cases. So I think mm -hmm. there's been a lot of press recently around. Uh, we'll call it the arms race between the U.S. and China, and right. uh, sort of military uses of artificial intelligence, and that's kind of lives in its own world. Mm -hmm. um, in the commercial world, there the trend, and I think we're still in the early days, mm -hmm. is is uh, businesses incorporating artificial intelligence basically to improve their uh, their service offerings. Mm -hmm. um, it's in a lot of ways it's an extension of what we've seen in data analytics. So mm -hmm. can you analyze customer data? Can you understand what your customers are doing? And can you use that to uh, to better serve their needs? And, right. And, oh, right. by the way, make money at it while you're doing it. So. Right. And I have seen, I think, more recently a lot of use cases like fraud detection, especially right. um, by financial institutions. So it's very interesting to see the variety of applications of it. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that that, that set of techniques that we call artificial intelligence or, or data analytics mm -hmm. either – uh, very good at kind of pattern recognition sorts right. of things, and that's mm -hmm. where you know fraud, fraud mm -hmm. detection is important. Uh, I've been curious, uh, uh, you know, to see how the systems will evolve as as the underlying patterns that they're looking for change over time. And so, the for example, the way that people conduct fraud now in cyberspace is very different than it was a f even just a couple of years ago. Right. And how do the learning systems keep up with that? You know, so if you're making a decision, is this fraud, is this not fraud, you know, where's that dividing line? And, uh, you know, can you evolve or do you need to throw out the system and start over again if there's too much of a radical shift in the, in the underlying data set? Right. That's an interesting point you make because it ties back, according to me, to the question of what kind of jobs will evolve, right? right. So those kind of jobs where, yes, there was a training data set and there was a model developed, but since it's changed so drastically, we need human intervention to better that model again with the new uh, training data set or augment the existing data set. Sure. Yeah. And, and so if you think about what, what kind of jobs that mm -hmm. implies, I mean, clearly, uh, you know, uh, uh, an ability to work with data, mm -hmm. uh, an ability to understand complex systems, uh, um, you know, certainly the, the specialized software skills related to artificial intelligence. But, uh, you know, I would, I would really like to see, you know, just as a philosophical thing, mm -hmm. uh, much, uh, much more broadly across the population, uh, uh, 
an ease with understanding data and with working with data, right? I mean, we've all heard about lying with statistics and mm-hmm. the ability of citizens to, you know, understand data and what it means, I think, is, is really critical to, to how we'll move forward in the world. And uh, certainly when I was coming up and focused on engineering, mm-hmm. for example, calculus in high school was, was kind of the path there. Mm-hmm. These days, I'd almost recommend statistics as, as opposed to calculus unless there's some specialized reason, unless you're you know, really interested in, in engineering. Because that, that facility with data and understanding and manipulating data is so critical across so many fields. Right. No, no, that is that is interesting that you again say that because like I like to mention to people who are new to machine learning is that we do use statistics everywhere. You take from uh, political polling during elections or even making decisions about early childhood education. There is a statistics that tell you about it. There is a mean income levels we discuss. We discuss about average height and weight of a child. So we use statistics almost every day without realizing that and we hear it in news all the time right but it's it's turning it into algorithms now is so powerful yeah well I I mean even just in the news yesterday right I mean so the Mm -hmm. questions around the census and how do you get an accurate census count uh, and it's not just the statistics associated with counting the population Mm -hmm. accurately Mm -hmm. but all the secondary uses of that data and how right the number of businesses that drive their business decisions based around, on that based data, based on that data, and those yeah. statistics that come out of it. So it's it's really important. No, that's a great point. So I think the writing is clear on the wall that um, the future generations and even current generations, in order to pivot their careers, have to focus on math, stats, um, and many STEM-related fields. Right, and a lot of people do that uh, naturally. I think that's more typical these days, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so certainly. Uh, uh, kids in school these days have, are, are so familiar with computers, they don't mm-hmm. even realize it, I think, in many cases. Uh, and, and so a lot of those foundational skills are already there. Um, I, I do worry that we lose the connection to what's going on sort of at the base levels of, of computers. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so mm-hmm. as, you know, as we talked about at the beginning, I grew up, I, I know where, you mm-hmm. know, how bits move around inside right. of a computer mm-hmm. chip and so forth, all the way up to doing graphics. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if, if collectively we lose that understanding of how machines work fundamentally, then mm-hmm. we're, we're in a bad way. Right. And, and then we are not aware of some of the capabilities, like you said, the black box, and we're building on top of black boxes. Right. right. Or some yeah. of the shortfalls, some of the issues that arise. Right? Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so what should organizations and people who have, whether they're small businesses or large organizations, do in order to keep up with some of these new jobs that are created, like data scientists or even analytics, data analytics or data analysts. So what are some of the things, actions they can take to train their workforce? Yeah, well, so let me mention one of the new uh, jobs I've heard about, and I think IBM is kind of a leader in this space, so they're Mm -hmm. looking at the ethical uses of artificial intelligence. Oh, yes, yes. And and so... uh, I don't even know what the right title is, but mm-hmm. but ethicists in that mm-hmm. space, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, oh boy, who knew that, that was a job? And uh, right. you know, it sounds pretty cool. Um, the other, so in addition to the STEM things, mm-hmm. which I think are fairly obvious, uh, uh, you know, I know from my point of view, they're they're kind of two other skill sets that have certainly helped me substantially mm-hmm. in my career, but mm-hmm. I think are 
increasingly important going forward. So one of those is just the ability to communicate, mm-hmm. right? Um, uh, artificial intelligence, uh, data analytics, even you know computers generally are very complicated, and uh, uh, you know the ability to make those technologies understandable, perhaps to address the the irrational fear that's mm-hmm. out there, uh, or or just to you know move discussions forward. You know mm-hmm. you can't uh, necessarily have a good discussion around the ethics of artificial intelligence if you don't aren't able to understand at some level what's what's going on there. So that that ability to communicate, uh, um, and I'm always surprised by that. You know, I my original conception was, well, I'm an engineer. I can just you know type on the keyboard mm-hmm, all day. Mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about uh, communication, and it's just not the case. It's a critical skill. Uh, and I think the other uh, thing, and particularly some of the work that I'm doing these days around smart communities in Virginia mm-hmm. and, and what what does it take to make a community smart, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. um, has to do with, uh, with people and with the social interaction and, and the relationship of people to technology. Mm-hmm. And so that's you know, you, you, you know, clearly this, the STEM disciplines, but I think there's a lot of room for uh, what we would traditionally call liberal arts, mm-hmm. uh, people moving into those kinds of fields. You know, how, how do we uh, incorporate these technologies into business decision-making, or how do we incorporate those into social policy? How do we take advantage of that for workforce development. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those are not necessarily technology skills, but again, will be critical, I think, as, as we move forward as a society. Right. I think you bring really good points, which we have never discussed on the show before. Uh, folks with liberal art degrees have a lot of value to bring to the table. Absolutely. But they need to realize and understand what they can do. And one of the things, funnily enough, even as an engineering background that I have, one of my days is actually explaining how the data analytics can be used to a CEO or a CIO, right? right? And marry the use cases of artificial intelligence because there is a lack of that liaison between business strategy and technology yes, um, and that a lot of uh, other folks can bring to the table as well. Right, and uh, we've done some work with uh, with the universities in Virginia around mm-hmm. data analytics and so forth, and I, I think uh, kind of pretty broadly came to the conclusion that that's, you know, sort of if you're doing, let's say, a, a senior project at a university, uh, mm-hmm. uh, the best kind of team is somebody with with uh, business or communication skills combined with you know a mm-hmm. person or set of people with data and computer skills because mm-hmm. you need both of those to make sense right. out of what you're doing. So. No, that's a great point. And I think too often people with arts degrees are a little apprehensive and intimidated with technology, but if they familiarize themselves, there's a whole world of opportunities for sure. them. And, and I think even in even in small businesses, even in businesses that aren't necessarily technology focused, mm-hmm. uh, you know, again, the, the broad sort of uh, ability to understand data mm-hmm. uh, is, is important to every business, right? I mean, so oh, yeah. whether, you know, if you keep your your business plan on a spreadsheet, you know, you still want to understand what, what it means uh, in mm-hmm. terms of, uh, you know, the revenue that you're generating and, and you know, the other, the other parameters there. Yeah, and where you're getting your revenue from sure. and everything. And I think even, like, uh, I was listening to a podcast where they mentioned that even if you're a YouTuber, 
you can analyze the data as to what is the age group who's watching your videos and YouTube publishes all that information. Mm -hmm. So once you start understanding the analytics and how you can use data, so you you literally have an edge around your competition always, always. Um, So I know that there is a lot of talk about how AI influences us as a society and as a technologist, I know that for a fact. And then we have examples like Cambridge Analytica mm-hmm. where it is it is almost a fact that they sort of skewed the recent elections and so on. So tell me what are your thoughts about AI influencing us as a society and also uh, targeting us for ads and nudging us in directions that we might not have otherwise gone. Um, so how is that going to impact us overall as a society? Well, I, I think we're at a point where we could uh, uh, influence that direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, again, I, I spoke a little earlier about kind of the principles that I would like to see, privacy, transparency, and so mm-hmm. forth. Uh, and so, you know, I think that a, a social consensus that those are how – those kinds of principles are how we want to interact with technology is, mm-hmm. is pretty critical. Um you know, technology can be used for good purposes or bad purposes. Right. Um, we've certainly seen that with uh, with the internet, with mm-hmm. the, you know the activities in cyberspace, um, and so I, I think in the end, it's up to us collectively to say this is this is how we want to interact with mm-hmm. our technology. Uh, I think you're seeing that to some extent now just this year with, uh, for example, with Congress uh, starting to look much more closely at Facebook and Mm -hmm. some of the others, uh, you know, around how they interact with data and the privacy uh, kinds of things. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, So I think that's a a positive step. And, and, uh, you know, uh, again, the bottom line being understanding how we as a society want to interact with the technology that's clearly going to be a major uh, player in our, our lives going forward. Wonderful. Thank you so much, uh, David, for talking to us today. I think we got some very good insights about the future of workforce and AI. Yeah, very good. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for listening in to another episode of Cracking the AI Code podcast. Until next time, talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to The Workforce Show. This interview and others can be found at WERA.FM or at careercentralonline.com. Thank you for listening. Until the next time.